honor you, praise you, glorify you, and offer you the in our lives. We're here but we're here to offer ourselves and our lives. So Lord, be pleased with our humble worship of ourselves this morning as we offer you ourselves this morning. Lord, speak to your people. Speak to your people, Lord, through me. I humble myself before you. I can't, I can't do anything of eternal value unless, Lord, you take over and fill me with your spirit to deliver your message to your people. Be honored, be glorified this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You've done this, right? I will save more money. I'll pay off my debts. I will try to lose weight. That's your New Year's resolution, right? You just started it, and then the following day you stopped it, right? You know, uh, New Year's resolution. Why do we do New Year's resolution? For what purpose? What? <laughs> to break, break it. No, I think seriously, many of, us, many of us come up with resolution because we want to become better people, right? We want to achieve something better than what we used to achieve, right, Deng? You know, even though we try to repeat everything that we did not do the previous year, we, start, we still try to do it because we want to become better people. Yes or no? We want to end up better. The problem, though, is we never get to do it. We, we just fail. You know, in the middle of our tracks, we said, ah, forget it. Forgive us. But the intention is there, right? Ike? We want to do it, but we, we seldom finish it. And that's too bad. And um, that's the reason why Last week, our pastor in song gave us a message entitled, Oh, wow. Do you remember? Those of you who were here, he gave, us, he gave us a message entitled, The Solution to Your Resolution. Meaning, you know, guys, if we are to do a New Year's resolution and you want to make it stick, right, this is the answer. Remember that? Alvin, do you remember that? The solution to your New Year's resolution. Actually, you know, I, I kind of just distilled it. I, I don't have the time to go through the whole message. But it's about what? Making God the central focus of your resolution. Is that right, Pastor Nizong? Right? If you, the solution to your resolution is to make God the central focus of your resolution. And this verse kept reverberating in my mind. And you know, it's no coincidence that Pastor Nizong started with this verse right away. Remember? as he was preparing our hearts for worship? 1 Corinthians 10.31 The solution to your resolution is what? Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Because if you do that, you put God right in the central focus of your plans. You know, that's what it is. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Actually, the solution to your resolution is this. Make it your life goal to do it all for the glory of God. Not only in 2013, but all your life in order to finish well. Do you want to finish well? You know, I've had this, I've had this frustration in the last 15 years of my life. I was, a, I, was a very, I was very aggressive and an achiever on the first, I guess, 40 years of my life. 
Whatever I set to do, I finish it. But when I retired, I started to do many things, but I couldn't finish them. Okay, for some reason. And I started to feel bad about it because it's not good. And I, I started to think, hey, I want to finish well. And resolution, to some extent, is being able to finish well that year. Yes? But what we want you to do is to finish well, not only for that year, but for the rest of your life. Pastor In Song said, for as long as you're breathing, you're not done. Right? But hey, the moment you stop breathing, you're done. The question is, did you do it well or not? Did you finish well or not? You know, and he gave us this verse. Brethren, do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is what? This is an attempt to finish well, right? Because you reach out for the goal, right? How does one finish well in life? Do you want to finish well in life? Yes or no? How does one finish well in life? You know, Pastor Insong and I attended earlier this year a conference for pastors. And believe me, it hit me. You know why? Because in that conference, we were asked to write our own eulogy. Whoa. I said, why? You know, because it, if, if somebody were to read, imagine it's your memorial service. Okay? What would you hear in your memorial service eulogy? Would you hear something good? Oh, he blew it. Oh, he finished well. You know, it, I don't know what you pastor in song, but I wrote mine. I had, I had a difficulty writing it because it can sound like you're conceited or something, but you know what? If you are guided by God, you can use this tool to be able to help you finish well. Right? If you were to write your own memorial service eulogy, what will it say? Hmm. Later on, we will ask you to write your own eulogy, okay? Because we want you to finish well, honestly. What would you want to hear in your memorial service eulogy? After hearing your eulogy, will people say, Hey, she finished well. Or he finished well. Would you like that? How will your epitaph read? Jackie, I'm looking at you. Will it read like this? Here rests Pancrasio Juvenales. He was a good husband, a wonderful father, but a bad electrician. <laughs> he died electrocuted, guys. I mean, man, I wouldn't want to see my, my epitaph that way. Right? Or about, how about this? Ma loves pa. Pa loves women. Ma caught pa with two in swimming. Here lies pa. Okay? My goodness. What an embarrassment. Right? Or what about this? He died broken hearted. He was a gifted singer but was not allowed to sing for the glory of God in CCFLA. Oh. Get about that. How would your epitaph read? Will you finish well? 1 Corinthians 10.31 is all about 
finishing well. You want to finish well? I do. And I want all of us to finish well. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What does it mean, do it all? George? Everything. Do it all. Sounds easy to say, but do you understand exactly what that means? Do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. How exactly does one do it all for God? You know, I'm sure as you were listening to what Pastor Insong was saying last week, you agreed that we should all do it all for the glory of God, right? But the question is, do you know exactly how it's done? How do you or we do it all for the glory of God? Now, I want you to discuss this quickly to the person next to you. Okay? Uh, really, seriously, the person next to you. The question is this. How do you or we do it all for the glory of God? I want you to talk about this just for a minute. Right? Come on. Ask. Be specific. I want you to come up with an answer. How do we or you do it all for the glory of God? I can hear a lot of discussion, so I'm going to call one person to give me an answer. George. <laughs> George, what is your answer to Maribik, okay, when he asks you, how do it all, how do we do it all for the glory of God? George? Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I, I would, I would uh, say that, um, you know, first of all, you should have the proper mind setting that everything you do is geared towards pleasing God. Uh-huh. Then there is this consciousness. Consciousness that everything yeah. you do is to please God. Yeah, I think so. It's because hard. It's hard, but, you yeah. know, it's, it's hard, but achievable. Yeah. Meaning, if you, if you please, if you do it for the glory of God, you're actually pleasing God, Right? You agree? Okay, I want to I want to get one more. Thank you. Uh Thank Edwin, you. who else? Okay, I'm going to ask Edwin. Can I Edwin please? Okay. You know, I I want to be sure because hey, we we keep saying we keep saying do it all for the glory of God. Do we actually know what it means? Huh? Do we or it's just a theoretical thing? We say yeah. do it all for the glory of God, but when we're asked to do something, we can't do it. That's why Edwin will explain to us what it means. Yes, uh, it is. It is very impossible, uh, Pastor Danny. Uh-huh. Only by the grace of God you can do it. Um, do what? Do pleasing, all. Do all for the glory of God. Um, by nature, we are selfish. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very difficult. As I was talking to Bogie, he, he says the same thing, that it, it is hard because sometimes we have to leave something for ourselves. Okay, so what you're saying is, you know what it is, but we say it's hard, it can be theoretically done, but it's hard, right? Yep. You know, we, we, keep, we keep thinking of how to execute it, but because we don't know how to do it, is it possible that we, we end up not doing it at all? Or we just end up partially doing it? 
but not really pursuing it to finish well. You get what I'm saying? Jackie, you get what I'm saying? The question is, do we actually do it all for the glory of God? Or I theoretically do it all for the glory of God. But do we actually do it all for the glory of God? I wonder. Here's my point. My point is this. If we are not clear on how to do it all for the glory of God, how then, or how do we then actually do it all for the glory of God to obey? Am I making sense? So, if you and I are not clear on how to do it all for the glory of God, we will just go on and on and on, realizing that we're probably not doing it and end up finishing bad instead of finishing well. Am I making sense? So this morning, I have a proposition. I have a theory. I have a thesis, so to speak. I'm sounding like a college professor now. Huh? Okay. I have a, this, is my, this is my thesis. And I hope if there's one point that you will get this morning, it is this. How do I glorify God in everything that I do? This is my thesis. Making disciples is the best resolution to finish well. I'll prove this, okay? CCF is a disciple-making church. Look! Matthew 28, 18-20. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have been talking about God's presence for almost a year. Yes or no? And I hope by now, you know exactly what it means to walk and live in God's presence. I hope that you know by now that the result of being in the presence of God is that you and I will be rested. What does it mean, rested? You are provided for. You are protected from anything and everything that can hurt you by no less than God Himself. And that will make you rested. That is God's presence. Now, if you, if you have been experiencing that, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice to be able to share that with other people and tell that to other people as well? As a way of life? Wouldn't it be nice to make that a way of life so that actually you are sharing it with other people as a way of discipleship? The best resolution to finishing well is making disciples. Now, many of you probably don't know what making disciples mean. And that's why we would like to always define it. And, and I would like to say that glorifying God in everything you do, the one that I ask you, the one that George said, it can be theoretical, but the idea is to please God in everything that you do. George, I have good news for you. If you want to please God in everything you do, and you want to handle a thing that you can hold on to that will make you live this practically, my good news for you is start making disciples. And actually, making disciples is 1 Corinthians 31, 1 Corinthians 10.31 lived out. You know what I'm saying? If you're trying to make disciples, believe me, you will try to live in a way that in everything you do, it will be pleasing to God. Yes or no? 
You know, when, when I was growing up as a Christian, I didn't want to show my Bible because I was embarrassed, okay, and shy. And not holding my Bible, not making people realize I'm a Christian, gives me all sorts of, of problems, actually, and openings. I can do good, but most of the time, I can also do bad because I don't have my Bible with me anyway. Right? But the moment I started carrying my Bible, I was conscious of who I am. And that helped me do what is pleasing to God in everything that I do. And then the problem became worse. They started calling me pastor. Uh-oh. Okay. And, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a gathering and then all of a sudden my friend will come, Pastor Danny. And then somebody will say, you're a pastor? Okay. Yeah. I am. And then they started to think, oh, wow. And you know what that brought me? What consciousness, that, what kind of consciousness it brought to me? That I need to behave according to who I am. I may not be perfect, but that helped me. Yes or no? Right? And believe me, you know, knowing who you are will help you give glory to God. So if you know you're making disciples, and you are actually living 1 Corinthians 10.31. What is 1 Corinthians 31? Come on, recite it, guys. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. Now, this is disciple-making. Look at disciple-making. This is the way CCF defined, defines disciple-making. Discipleship is what? Let's read it together. It's the process... For the purpose of spiritual multiplication resulting in the glory of God, right? So if you disciple, you're actually pleasing God, George. Because you're glorifying God. Why? Because you're actually living out Christ-likeness so that you can share it with some people to be Christ-like themselves. Yes? It's a way of life, isn't it? Whether you eat or you drink, be Christ-like. That's what it says, Right? Because if you do that, it's easy to tell, Bong, Bong, do as I say, do as I do. And then Bong sees it, yeah, I can see it, I'll do it. He turns around and talks to his son, son, do as I do. Because I please God in everything, whether I eat or I drink. So, if you want to finish well, make disciples. Make disciples. But first, before I expound on that, first let's understand what glory is. I tried to explain this in the previous uh, uh, message that I gave, and I even asked, I think, Mike to draw the glory of God. Remember Mike? And he had a hard time drawing it. Because we need to understand what the glory of God is and what it specially means to God. Until then, until we understand what glory means and what it, it specially means to God, uh, I believe that we will never be able to actually glorify God in everything that we do. Not now, not ever. We need to understand what glory is. Once you understand that, then we will be able to connect it to my thesis this morning. And my thesis this morning is what? Making disciples is finishing well. And making disciples is, 10, is 1 Corinthians 10.31 lived out. 
because that is pleasing to God. The glory of God, the glory of God, glory to God is actually inherent, resplendent beauty and magnificence of God. Remember, I showed this, uh, this, this slide the last time, and I said, glory is to God as brightness is to the sun. Glory is to God as wetness is to water. Glory is to God as heat is to fire. In other words, it's inherent. For God to be God, He has to be glorious. That's the only thing. That's Glory is inherent to God. What is bright, wet, or hot about God that will make God God? Answer? His glory. His glory, which is His inherent, resplendent beauty and magnificence. Think about the most glorious thing that you can imagine. That cannot come close to the glory of God. Think about the most magnificent thing that you can think of that will never come close to the glory of God. And it is all about the presence of God. That is the glory of God. Glory is all about God's intrinsic, inherent worth, value, beauty, majesty. Put all the superlatives you can put there. And that is what you mean by the glory of God. And that cannot be taken away by anyone or anything. You understand what I'm saying? You know, God is glorious whether you like it or not. And you cannot take away the glory of God even if you want to. Because it is inherent in Him to be glorious. Just like you cannot take away the heat of the sun on your own, you cannot take away the glory of God. And when we say, Glorify God in everything that we do. I hope you're getting that connected. Alright? Because we are asked to glorify God. Do you understand what glory means? Glory means worth, value, beauty, majesty that cannot be taken away from God because it is the nature and the character of God. Picture a king and a queen. A human king and a queen. They are glorious in this picture, right? Why? Because they have crowns, they have medals, they have whatever that is they're wearing. But you know what? If I remove the crown, if I remove what they're wearing, and they remain as we are, as simple, and wearing simple clothes, they're no longer glorious, right? In other words, the glory of human beings can be taken, and it can be put. If I want to put glory to George, I can simply say, this is a good man. He loves his wife, he loves unconditionally, and he is really a true Christian. That is glorifying the man. But tomorrow, I can tell him, you know, this George, suddenly, he forgot. I can take it away right away. But for as far as God is concerned, is the glory of God cannot be taken away. It's there. It's His. Right? You know, uh, take a beggar. A beggar is dirty. If you wash that beggar and you put this crown there, he can be glorious, right? That's what I'm trying to say. The glory of man can be taken away, but the glory of God remains. It cannot be taken away. Glory. Now that we know what it is, now that we know what glory is, let me ask you something. What does it mean to God? This is very important. This is very, very important. If you understand what glory is, it is the resplendent beauty of God, and then you know what it means to God, then you and I will begin to understand what it means to glorify God. 
then we can glorify God in everything that we do. Am I making sense? What does it mean to God? Last week, Pastor Song used a, a, a part of his message to say, for you to be able to understand, okay, the, resolution to, the solution to your resolution is to have a proper view of ourselves and of God. Right, Pastor? Right? You know, you know what glory is, but let me tell you what does it mean to God. And for us to understand that, you need to have a proper view of ourselves and of God. Here is the traditional worldview of self. This is how we look at ourselves most of the time, even if we're not conscious about it. Or maybe we are, but this is the way we look at ourselves. Ha! That's me. Diba? You know, this is the traditional worldview of self. I am the center of the universe. Before you became a Christian, you were like this, weren't you? Well, be honest, right? Everything revolved around you. Somebody steps, steps on, you, on your foot, what do you do? Baba, wika, you step also. Even harder, right? Just look at the way you drive. Aren't you the center of the universe? You cannot even give in. Why? Because he violated my right. I am the center of the universe. That's the traditional human point of view. And that is a curse, guys. And you have to understand that's who we are, naturally. But that doesn't make it right. Just because we think that's the way we are, that doesn't make it right. You know, it's all about my happiness. It's all about my wants. It's all about my pleasures. Yes, it's all about my glory. I, me, mine. Try someone taking this away from you. Lalabang ka eh. Right, Christy? You will fight because you want to protect your own. And that's human nature. You want your glory preserved. That's understanding yourself. That's under, understanding yourself. You know, before, before, what, before we know the astronomy that we know today, many, many thousand years ago, people believed that the earth is the center of the universe. That's true. Only about 500 years ago did they discover Copernicus. Did he discover that actually the sun is the center of the universe, that everything revolves around it. Right? You know, actually Galileo, you know, repeated it and said, you know what? Copernicus is right. The sun is the center of the universe and they, the, all the planets revolve around the sun. And you know what? The Christian church then so hated Galileo that they imprisoned him and threw him to jail and even excommunicated him from the church. Why? Because the church was full of himself. The idea that they are not in control is abomination to the church. Then, that's why they imprisoned Galileo. What am I trying to say? The traditional worldview is that we are the center of the universe. Right? And what I want you to understand is that's who we are. And that runs contrary to what God wants. <laughs> How can you possibly glorify God if naturally wired, Joseph, we are left on our own. We would like to glorify ourselves. You see what I'm trying to say? It runs diametrically opposed to what God wants. The biblical truth is this. Man is not the center of the universe, but God is. Alright? So you understand who you are, you want to be the center, but the fact is, you're not. The sooner you realize that, the better off you are. 
Am I making sense? You are not the center of the universe. God is the center of the universe. Look at Psalm 19.1. And it's all over the Bible that God is the center of the universe, not you or me. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. You see that? And their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Just look around you. Look at creation. Look at the flower. You will see the glory of God. Then, um, uh, Isaiah 43 verse 7. Why did God choose you and me? Why did God choose Israel? You know, God, God created the planets to give Him glory. God chose the chosen people of the world for what reason? Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created, what? For my glory. Whom I have formed, even whom I have made. Man is not the center of the universe, God is. Psalm 50 verse 15. Why did God give you, why did God allow us to go through troubles? Call upon me in the day of trouble. I shall rescue you and you will what? Honor me. That's what George is saying. Honor God, please God, because that glorifies God. Okay? Why did God send Jesus Christ, His Son? John 17, 3-4. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, Jesus said, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Even Jesus Christ was sent for what reason? For the glory of God. Right? You know, glory is very important to God. And He created, He made everything, He moved around it for one single purpose. For His glory. Not for your glory, but for His glory. And the sooner you understand this, the better off we are in terms of finishing well and being able to accomplish the right resolutions for our lives. God does have a priority list. Did you know that? He has a to-do list. How many of you are making to-do lists here? Of course, all corporate people. What is on your to-do list? My glory, my honor. My millions, my money and everything. Yeah, that's fine. But you know, God too, I discovered, has a priority list. And on top of that list is this. His glory. His glory. God is preoccupied with only one thing. His glory. And then, I can almost hear him ask this question. Imagine God. Here is God saying to himself, I am so, I'm preoccupied with my glory, but how can I, meaning God, reveal my glory to these people? I can almost hear him say, how can I, God, receive the most glory from these people? That's the agenda of God. That's why He commanded us what? In 1 Corinthians 10.31, whatever, whether you eat or you drink, whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. Because God is so preoccupied with glory. You know, God's priority is this. Look at this. To showcase God as glorious. <laughs> That's God's agenda. And the sooner we realize this, the easier it is to live the Christian life the more practical we will be in our Christian life. Everything happens. Everybody exists. Everything was created. That means you and me to give glory to God. You are where you are right now because God wants you to give Him glory. 
Look at Revelations 4.11. We even sang this, right? Pastor in song. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. Be to our God. Ganda ng boses, no? Be to our God. <clears throat> Forever and ever. <clears throat> For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and they were created for the glory of God. You know, we think that the world ought to revolve around us, but that's not going to happen. God will never allow that. Because God is the center. God wants the spotlight on Him and Him alone. Did you get that? God wants the spotlight on Him and Him alone Everything that God does is to give Him glory. That's what it is. Those are the two things that I want you to understand about yourself and about God. We are not the center. Who is the center? God is. And what is at the agenda of God? His glory. Okay? But, my, but you might say, Teka, teka, teka. Translated in English. Wait, wait, wait. Okay? Mm-hmm. Is that not egotistical and conceited of God? Come on! We don't like people are conceited, don't we? And if a person is conceited, ang yabang mo naman. That's what we say. You know, in the case of God, He said it. But you know what? I submit to you, it's not. Why? Everything is about you and your own good. If you are conceited, it's all about you and your own good. I will repeat. If you are conceited, and if you are egotistic, Everything is about you and your own good. But that is not the case as far as God is concerned. Do you get me? Okay? As far as God is concerned, God doesn't do everything so His glory will be revealed for His own good. No. He reveals His glory. God wants His glory revealed in everything that happens for our good. His creation. So, that doesn't make Him egotistical or conceited. Because a conceited person is only concerned about his own good, but God is not concerned about his own good. He's concerned about your good and my good. That's why it is right. The glory of God is for that reason, and that's why it's not conceited or pompous. For what reason does God want to reveal his glory? And this is the point that I want to connect, okay? that I want to link when it comes to discipleship. Why does God reveal his glory? So we can what? Read. Witness His glory. And be, a wit- be witnesses of His glory. You see what I'm saying? The reason why God reveals His glory is He wants you to witness His glory. Wow! And after you say wow, what do you do? Hey, I will show to people what it means. Okay? The glory of God is reflected in me and I will be a witness of God's glory. You know what I'm saying? That's the reason why. And when you do that, God is honored and God is glorified. And that makes life simple. You want to finish well? Be witness of His glory. Witness His glory and be witnesses of His glory. And again, that, my brothers and my sisters, is the proper view of ourselves and a proper view of God. Glorifying God means what then? Remember I asked you this question? And we were not sure about it. And my, my thesis was what? My thesis was what? Making disciples. Okay? But re- let's redefine this after I have explained to you what it means to glorify God. It's simply this. 
Glorifying God means to witness God's glory. To see God's glory. His intrinsic character, attribute, and nature. That's number one. Number two, to be witnesses. Meaning what? Reflectors. Okay? To be witnesses of His glory through our lives. Our lives should point to the glory of God. And our lives should give glory to God. You know what I'm saying? That's what it means. For you to be a witness of God's glory and then to, to, to witness God's glory and be witnesses or reflectors of God's glory. That's what it means to glorify God in everything that you do. Is it making sense to you right now? Shar, uh, can you nudge Jackie because I know she's got jet lag, okay? Uh, okay. Either way, let God be God and let God be the center of the universe. Again, what does it mean to glorify God? To witness God's glory, to be witnesses of His glory through our lives, pointing to God, the glory of God, giving the glory to God, and either way, you let God be God and the center of the universe. I just want to repeat that because I don't want you to miss that out. Okay, and the center of the universe is going to be Christ, His Son. That's what it means for us to understand, to glorify God. We are not the center. Jesus is the center. God is the center. That's why 1 Corinthians 10.31 is commanded. Whether then, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 3.18 is connected to this. And it says, And we all, with unveiled faces, reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, which is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Pastor Reggie, this is his favorite. He keeps saying, from glory to glory, we are changed. Right? You know, e- even the way that we are changing as people, it describes the glory of God. Right? And that's what, simply put, side by side, ladies and gentlemen, is discipleship. Yes or no? Look at that. It is the process of bringing people to Jesus Christ, believe, Believe! Look at that. Look at that. Believe! And then, building them up, grow! Okay? In the faith towards Christ-likeness, voila! By the way, I want to thank you. I, I, I want you to thank Boogie for his effort. Okay? Give Boogie a big hand for this. I mean, you know, look at this. To remind us. Okay? But can you remind him to complete it, please? Okay? Okay, for the purpose of what? Spiritual multiplication, multiply, resulting in the glory of God. Aren't they? Aren't they connected? We're asked to glorify God. For what reason? For us to change from glory to glory. And that's exactly what discipleship is. You see the connection? You know? See the connection? That's why I submit to you, making disciples is the best way to glorify God in everything you will do. 1 Corinthians 10.31 is lived out by disciple-making, building them up for the process of becoming Christ-like for spiritual multiplication resulting in the glory of God. It's all about the glory of God. So, let's go back to the passage we read. We've read this, and don't be surprised. Look at the end in verse 11, verse 1. 
After saying in 31, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to the Jews or Gentiles for the, or the church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. Whoa! And then look at verse 1 of chapter 11. You should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. What do you call that, guys? Louder, please. Discipleship. Even the context of 1 Corinthians 10.31 is Pastorin, sumula nakakaintindi ah. It's discipleship. Guys, it's discipleship. And what does discipleship entail? Right? Remember the Great Commission? Look at the Great Commission. Let's read this again. Because the reason why we're called, by the way, the reason why we're called Christ Commission Fellowship, CCF, Christ Commission Fellowship, is because we are committed to the Great Commission. It's not about the commission you get, okay? Right? You know, I remember I was in the Philippines and I was part of the elders group in the Philippines already then. And uh, somebody called me from the bank. Okay, Mr. Perez, are you part of CCF? Yes, okay. Uh, can you explain to me uh, why it's called Christ Commission Fellowship? Oh, it's because of Matthew 28. Uh, this is not the commission that you get from the people. I said, no, absolutely not. So please, I don't want you to think that way, okay? That's why we want to put CCF na lang instead of Christ Commission Fellowship. But the Great Commission is biblical. This is the Great Commission. Commission means what? This is your mission also. Co-mission. Okay? It says, let's read it together, okay? Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, Clear, right? You should imitate me just as Christ, just as I imitate Christ. And that is discipleship. Look at teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. What is that? It's the same as you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Yes or no? Clearly, right? So if you take that away, you will see that actually um, it is about discipleship. And do you remember the four pillars of discipleship we talked about? I want to repeat this over and over again because when we disciple you, we will bring you back to these four pillars. Our objective as your disciples is to see you grow in these four areas. Number one, supreme love for God. Number two, study and devotion to God's Word. Number three, self-denial towards God and towards man. And then, reflection of Christ-like love or Christ-likeness towards others. Now, I want you to take a look at, look at the first verse. So whether, eat, so whether you eat or drink or whether, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What of the four pillars does this talk about? Hello? Yes! If you love God supremely, you will do everything for His glory. But if you don't love God supremely because you don't know God and you still love yourself, believe me, you will have a difficult time discipling yourself or discipling others or be discipled. Am I making sense? You know, the first, when we, when we meet and sit down in discipleship, I will ask you the question, how are you doing in these four areas? What about the second verse? Don't give offense or to Jews or Gentiles or the church. But the second, that, uh, I too, 33, 
try to please everyone in everything I do. I just don't do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. What of the four pillars is that? Self-denial, isn't it? You know, the first one is all about loving God supremely. And then the verse 32 and 33 is about what? Self-denial. What is self-denial? I think of the interest of Bong first and Deng before I think of my own interest. I think of Joseph. I think of Pastor In Song. Okay? I think of Pastor In Song first. For the glory of God. You know, it is all about glorifying God because of what God has done. Think of the best interest for myself. Not for myself, but for others. Discipleship is being Christ-like and glorifying God since Christ is God's glory personified. Hebrews 1.1 God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in this last days has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir to all things through whom He made the world. And He is the radiance of the glory of the exact representation of His nature. You know, Christ is the representation of God's glory. So as we imitate Christ, we actually, what? Glorify God. You know, at this point, I would like someone who has been imitating God, who was imitating Christ, to share with us his own experience of witnessing God's glory. I, I'm so excited about him. Pastor Insong, can you share something with us? Good morning. Our moving to California was never planned. Lynette's kidney problem was being managed rather well when we were still in Manila. In January 2010, her condition turned for the worse, and we came to America for a second opinion. After 11 days in the hospital, it was clear that God wanted us to stay here. So I moved the rest of my family here in April of 2010 having to leave our eldest son, Lawrence, behind because he was over 21 years old. I left a thriving ministry and financial stability. Being a full-time paid pastor, I had a steady salary, medical benefits, and a church-assigned vehicle. In contrast, I worked all of three days in 2010 as a janitor at that. It's a good thing that my fellow janitor was named Moses, which remind me that God gave me that job. Albeit, it was only for three days. My next job came in December 2011. And after seven and a half months, I resigned from that company because it had no vision and desire to grow. It was also at that time that CCFLA began growing. Since mid-July of 2012 to the present, I have been without work, but God has been faithful to supply what we need. Many of you have been part of that as well through your generous love gifts. One of you even gave me a vehicle. When Lynette first went into the hospital, we had no money and no insurance. And that is what I told the financial officer of the hospital. She asked me to fill out some forms and present some documents. 
I did not know that she was already applying for medical benefits for Lynette's hospitalization. After 11 days, we were released and walked out of the hospital without paying for anything. And in March 2010, Lynette's approval came through. The bonus was, our daughter Sarah and even I got approved for medical coverage also. Receiving medical benefits is both a test of humility and of patience. You have to fill out quarterly forms to maintain status as a medical recipient. We faithfully fill out these forms and despite sending the forms in ahead of time, we get a notice that they did not receive the forms and our medical benefits will be stopped. This cycle happens every quarter. And even if I send in the forms through certified mail with return card, they tell us they did not receive it. This situation has caused me to shake my head in disgust every time I see a letter from the Department of Public Social Services. It is a reminder to me of the ineptness of the system. Last quarter of 2012, I again received a letter from the DPSS. And as usual, I was shaking my head and prepared my heart for this test of patience. To my surprise, the letter said that my application was approved and that I should report for testing on such and such a date. The only problem was, I do not remember applying for a job with them. And even up to now, I can honestly tell you, I do not know how I applied. In obedience, I followed the instructions, went for the test, and waited. I complied with all their documentary requirements, some of which I had to get from Manila. I just kept on waiting and praying, and many of you also prayed with and prayed for me. Still, no job offer. Last Tuesday, I again went for final processing where we were made to fill out forms from 11.30 in the morning to 4 p.m. in the afternoon. The last part was to go in front of a camera to get our photo taken. It is with much joy and gladness that I stand here before you to tell you that God has answered our prayers and I officially start work on the 17th of this month as an, eligi as an eligibility worker. For the once dreaded Department of Public Social Services of Los Angeles County. Praise God. God really has a sense of humor. Please pray that I glorify God in the workplace and represent Him well to my co-workers, my superiors, and to the people I will be meeting as part of this job. I also ask you to continue to pray for God's glory insofar as Lynette's kidney transplant is concerned. Next month, uh, Lynette will celebrate her third year of uh, her dialysis treatments. And she is on the list and we are still waiting for God to move. My wife and I are agreed. Whether God miraculously, miraculously touches her kidney and revives her kidney or God gives her a transplant, we are agreed that we are all for whatever God gets the most glory for. Secondly, we also ask you to pray for our eldest son Lawrence's immigration situation 
as he remains in Manila still waiting for his priority date. Ephesians chapter 3, 20-22 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Wow! Come on! You can do better than that! Come on! Give God the glory! Give God the glory! He witnessed the glory of God. Yes or no? And He's now witnessing to us the glory of God. That is glorifying God in the best sense of the word. I'm excited. And you know, I don't have the time to tell you the story of my brother. But he's an encouragement to me. And every time I look at him, I want to serve God. I want to serve God. Where did I put? I cannot serve God with that. Okay, without that. Now, how is God glorified in discipleship? Tell me. How is God glorified in discipleship? He has been discipled. I have been discipled. And the reason why we're here is because we've been discipled. And the reason why we're here is we tell you, you too can be discipled and needs to be discipled. And that can be your best resolution to finish well. How is God glorified in discipleship? Discipleship is what? Making someone Christ-like so that he will become Christ-like. Tell me, when a man who seeks out the killer of his wife and children so that he can unconditionally forgive him as Christ has forgiven him, is God glorified here? Why do you think this guy is seeking out the killer of his wife? Because he was told by his discipler that that is the best thing to do rather than to plant hate and revenge in his heart. That is discipleship. And that is giving glory to God. How is, glory, how is God glorified when a man unconditionally controlling his temper when cut and provoked by selfish drivers on the road? Is God glorified? Why? Because this man who used to lose his temper was under a discipleship and he was told, hey, no longer I but Christ. When you're driving, think of yourself as dead so that don't react. That's discipleship. And when that happens, God is glorified. Children, how is, how is God glorified when children unconditionally obey and respect their controlling parents who wanted them to come to worship to CCFLA because they didn't want to go? You know who you are. Okay. At first, they didn't want to go. But because, because of their love for God, they obeyed and their parents they obeyed their parents and they're here. Did that glorify God? Absolutely. What about the parents of murdered school children? Let's think about Connecticut. Okay? Unconditionally forgiving and loving the killer of their children. Why were they doing it? Because they were told so. In everything that you do, do it all for the glory of God. You know what I'm saying? Because they were being discipled and they're willing to be discipled and they're willing to witness the glory of God so that they can be witnesses of the glory of God. It's as simple as that. An employee who dutifully does his job with excellence in the midst of an abusive and unfair boss. Is that giving the glory to God? 
instead of bad-mouthing and complaining and doing and behaving like everybody else, just do what you're supposed to do in excellence for the Lord because that, was, that is what he was told by his disciples because that brings glory to God. What about a husband unconditionally loving his unsubmissive and disrespectful wife? I'm not looking at you right now, okay? I'm not going to look at anyone because they might think, okay, you know, does that bring glory to God? If you wives submit unconditionally to your husband, even if your husband is unreasonable and really even unfaithful? Why? Because she was told by her disciple, just do it because that will bring honor to God. Just die to yourself just because that will bring honor to God. That will reflect the glory of God. What about, what about a wife who chooses to honor her unreasonable mother-in-law who, against her, who is against her and constantly puts her down in front of family members? Normally, what would you do? Ah, laban na, right? But because this lady is being discipled by another person who experienced that in the same way, who witnessed it, and is now becoming a witness, the disciple said, just love your mother-in-law unconditionally and in fact serve her. And after that, after that time that she obeyed and she followed, she is now the favorite daughter-in-law. That is the glory of God, right? You know, that's what I'm saying. The glory of God to be witnessed first by us and then we will be witnesses in showing to others that it can be done because we're all concerned about the glory of God. A wife unconditionally submitting to her unloving and demanding and faithful husband. I can go on and on with a list. The only thing that I'm trying to say is when you go into discipleship, when you plan to be a Christ-like person so that you can teach others to become Christ-like, God is greatly praised because God is, or great is the Lord and greatly to be honored and greatly to be honored. And that, my friend, is my thesis. Make disciples be one to make one. That is the best way for you to finish well. Finish well. There was a pastor who was um, convincing his, his, his congregation to be part of discipleship. And he, was, uh, he approached this man and he asked this man, uh, George, George Nanaman, um, would you like to become part of the Lord's army? And but George said, but pastor, I'm already part of the Lord's army. And then the pastor said, how come if you're part of the Lord's army, I only see you on Christmas and Easter? Oh, pastor, you didn't know? I'm part of the secret service. <laughs> that is not discipleship. Being part, being part of a discipleship group is what? To witness God's glory and to be witnesses for others. That's what it means to be discipled. Not as a secret service. So, discipleship is the process of you bringing people to Jesus, building them up, building them up in faith towards Christ-likeness for the purpose of spiritual multiplication resulting in the glory of God. It is January. It is start of the year for the rest of your life. I want you to finish well. Say, say no to things that are not, 
that you are not completing and say yes to finishing your life well. Make disciples. It is the best resolution to finish well. And it is glorifying God in everything you will do. And it is 1 Corinthians 10.31 lived out. And that's what it means to glorify God. What will your say in your epitaph? He finished well. I hope that's what's going to reflect in your epitaph. He finished well. He brought glory to God in everything he did. Here lies a Christ-like person who taught Christ-likeness to others by example so that they too can teach Christ-likeness to others by example. Let's pray. God, God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for seeking your glory. That as you sought your glory, Lord, you shared your son with us. And now we are part of the family. And today, we just want to honor you and glorify you. But most of the time, we don't know. So, Father, thank you for reminding us that making disciples is one concrete way to start glorifying you in everything that we will do. For those of you who are here right now and you want to become disciples of Christ, it cannot happen without you having a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you're here right now and you want to honor God and finish well, start by accepting Jesus Christ into your heart and into your life. Say this simple prayer, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I want you to save me. Bring me to your paradise in heaven. I believe that you're the only one who can save me because you died for my sins. Come into my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And allow me to start glorifying you in whatever in everything that I do by, by, by being a disciple. And for those of us who have been disciples for quite some time, but have not made a progress, in fact, we're just going around circles because we don't know. Maybe God is telling you that this is it. This is, today is January, you need to start of the year and the rest of your life. Maybe God is telling you, go, find yourself a discipler. Be disciples so that you can be discipled. For that is the best way that you can glorify me. Because Christ's likeness is the glory of God. Lord, I just thank you for the privilege that you've given each and every one of us. And my prayer is that all of us, Lord, will finish well. And that we can imagine, Lord, what will be written in the epitaph of our grave. That we brought glory and honor to you in everything we did. And we are Christ-like and we brought others to Christ-likeness. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.